Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God. And uh, we are handling the book of Matthew and uh, we want to continue with that. We are handling chapter 7, which we will complete today, by the grace of God. And we stopped at verse 12 of chapter 7. I want us to continue today with verse 13. And it starts by saying, Enter through the narrow gate. We'll first pause there. It's like an instruction that Jesus is giving to his followers, to those who he's preaching to. And he's saying, enter through the narrow gate. When you're given such an instruction, it doesn't come very easy. Because passing through narrow places is not the fanciest of all things. It's not what most people would prefer to pass through a narrow place, beat a narrow road. You don't want it. You want a, a broad one, a wide one, where you you can see where you're headed. Yeah, But sometimes in the narrow road or narrow path, it's, it's not clear. You cannot see what's ahead of you because there may be bushes and uh, it's not clear. Where am I heading? What As I go through this narrow path, what will come through and... Uh, what will come through the grass, yeah? There is fear, there is discomfort when you're talking narrow places. And uh, we went to a place sometime for a mission. Far off here in Uganda, we went deep into a district up far off. And the, the, the nature or the lifestyle or their culture and how they build uh, in their communities, there is that fence that they put, yeah, surrounding them, of course, for safety, and inside is where they stay. But now, the gate that enters their home, yeah, to get through that fence or perimeter wall, if I may call it that. Of course, they used to build with reeds, but, uh, or they do build with reeds. They still do that as per their culture. And uh, the, the road, or the gate, rather, that enters into that place where they stay is just a very small opening. And you cannot go through it while you're standing. Mm? You cannot go through it without bending and getting solo. Now me, since I'm tall, I had a very big, big problem entering through those gates. And you would have to bend low, then you squeeze in and enter. When you enter, then you stand. As part of their culture, of course, they used it for safety purposes, but that you don't just walk in. But also, when you're getting in, there's a position that you get into of discomfort, or a position that when you meet the person on the other end, you come bow down. You come in a form of honor, of sorts, if I may call it that. And now, uh, it was very discomforting. You never wanted to enter. Sometimes you're like, I'll stay outside. But then you can't because 
you have to enter. Now, when Jesus comes out and says, enter through the narrow gate, it's not a simple instruction. Entering through that narrow gate takes a lot. Sometimes it takes discomfort. Sometimes you're not happy about it, but it's the position that if you're going to go through that narrow gate, you're going to forget self. You're going to forget about your needs. You're going to forget about how big you are, how much you've studied, how great you are. Then you'll be able to have the humility to go through such a position. You'll have the humility. In that place we went for missions, if you had no humility, you could not enter because it, it, sometimes you had to kneel as you're getting into it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, enter through that narrow gate. Yeah? For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. He's saying, that which appears comfortable, that which everybody wants to do, there which everybody feels this is the right path because it's broad, it's all been cleaned up. That gate, it looks great. It has all the designs on it. It is broad enough anyone can go through with ease, he says. That is the one that leads to destruction. And we know it for the fact that for the most of the things that the world exalts, for the most of the things that the world brings out as the greatest of all, they lead to destruction. And Jesus is telling us clearly, that be careful not to take the wider gate. And all the concepts of the world, all the things the world brings out, because with them is ease, but it leads to destruction, even in our own lives. The easy thing to do, the broader way, ah, what's the easy thing to do? Is to hate. When somebody hurts you, what's the easy thing to do? Is to revenge. When... Uh, things are not going well yeah what's the easy thing to do take the shorter path and steal and cheat that's the broader path not everybody will want to go through that narrow gate that okay that since i have been hurt i should forgive that's the narrow gate since they have cheated me i shall be patient and wait on the lord that's the narrow gate since they have abused me. I'll keep my calm. That's the narrow gate. The wider gate, revenge. Because it's easier. You get results quicker. I mean, you're sure that you're great. That's the wider gate. But that leads to destruction. Most of the things in the world today, which seem so easy, which seem that you make cash quick, which seem that you, you excel quick, that's the get to destruction because it is wide. It's quick. It's easy. You don't have to think much about it. Just enter it. That's the one that leads to destruction. And the Bible says there are many who enter through it. This is confirmation that there are so many who are headed into destruction. And let me tell you, the decision you made to accept Jesus is the best but also you need to be careful that after making such a decision, you don't follow the rest. Because the many who take that 
are headed into destruction. And sometimes you uh, you make a decision and you see you're the only one who has made that decision. It could be in your family. And you're the only one who has made that decision to follow Christ. And the rest are deciding to follow other, the other small gods that they've created for themselves. All those that they found being worshipped by their ancestors. And for you, you make a decision and say, I am following Christ. They are where you are alone. As long as you do not see many people there, stick to it. That which you find that few believe in, but is right, but is holy, then you stick to it. Because that's what Jesus says here. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. I want to be among the few. You've got to be among the few. That's what Jesus is is saying here that it is narrow. Narrow ways or narrow narrow path is not easy to go through like I said when I was starting. It is lonely sometimes. But Jesus is with you. It has things that are scary along the way, but Jesus is with you. And knowing that through that narrow path, and you go through that small gate, and on the other end will be victory. On the other end will be greatness. On the other end is eternal life. That should be the motivator behind it. That I will know and I will have confidence in the Lord. That I will know and have faith in the Lord. That it doesn't matter what I'm going through or the path I'm taking, as long as it's leading to eternal life. And he says, many will take the broader way, and many will get into destruction, but few. Friends, it's important to be among the few. It's key to be among the few. Of course, it would have been good if everybody uh, gets into that uh, eternal life, but the problem is we take things so easy, we want things so quick. We want to have our way. So we'll take the broader path. But those who follow Christ, those who look to the kingdom of God, those will take the smaller path and inherit. So Jesus makes a distinction here between the two. If you see the gate wide, that's destruction. If you see the gate narrow, that is life. Choose life. Take the path of life. I don't know what decision you you're battling with today that decision to make a decision of life or death and of all the decisions that you have in your mind there is that one which appears to be much more harder or difficult to take because it may not give you the best result that you would feel would work for your flesh that's a decision you've got to take because that leads you into life There's somebody out there who's been tempted in the biggest way ever. And you're out there and saying, what should I do? Should I take this? But if it's the wide gate, you leave it. Take the small one. If it is the gate that majority would accept, then you should know that many find that gate and many take that gate. So check for the one that is small, the one that not many want to go through. Make that decision. That takes you there because there you head into life. If it is of God, then take it. And it goes on and says in verse 15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
beware of false prophet. Other versions might say, beware of false teachers. Beware of false leaders. Beware of false ministers. Beware of false, all those that appear in the context of serving God, beware of those. Because they will come in sheep's clothing. Because when you're in sheep's clothing, then, you know, the, the gentleness of the sheep. And if you have that clothing on, then they see you as the most holy, the most righteous. But within, he says, they are ravenous wolves. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 27, give us a reference here on ravenous wolves. It says, uh, her princes within her are like wolves tearing the prey by shedding blood and destroying lives in order to get dishonest gain. He was talking about the, the leaders or the princes in Israel at this point. And he says, they're shedding blood. They're destroying lives. And how, where are they doing all that? To get wealth. To get dishonest gain. And that is something that the false prophets, the false teachers, the false ministries do right now. They will tear you apart just to get wealth. They will lie to you just to get wealth. They will give you the false doctrine just to get your money. And he says, beware of them. They will come covered in sheep clothing. They will talk well. They will look well. They will look excellent. They will draw all the crowd. They will do everything perfectly. But inside, they are out to get blood. Inside, they are out to get dishonest gain. Inside, they are doing the things that are out there to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, be careful. And in this world today, in the world today that we live in, there are so many prophets out there. And that's somehow we just want to hear what does the prophet have to say. And we've been led astray. And we're always getting out to hear what is the prophet saying. Prophet, what do you say about my life? Pastor, I've come for you to tell me about my life. Tell me what is going to happen a few days from now. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. And we've been taken up by such desire. But Jesus says, beware. Because you will be lied to. You'll be lied to. Do not take face value. That's not enough. Do not take just that which you see. It's not enough. There is an inward intention. And he goes out to bring it out and says, you will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. That which comes out of them is what will know. And sometimes we take it for granted. Yeah, And you see something that has been done by that uh, man of God, if I may call them in quotes, or woman of God. And, and you're like, ah, doesn't matter. They are also uh, human beings. We are all living in the same world. They are also people. Yes, that is true. But the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. You will know that person by their fruit. That which they do. Yeah? And God says grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes. Nor figs from thistles are they. James chapter 3 verse 12 also refers, Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? Can a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. So, if it's not good and it's coming out, that is the fruit. That is what you have to know. That is what you will have to see about that person. And says, 
So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. If the fruit is coming out and it's good, that's a good tree. If the fruit is coming out and it's bad, that's a bad tree. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Plain, clear, simple to understand. Plain language, I love how Jesus brings out the word to us. It is plain and understandable, very clear for us to comprehend. And he says, if it's good, it will bring out good. If it's bad, it will give the bad. It cannot interchange. Sometimes, though, you need to know that a tree can be good and it's producing good fruit. Then it is attacked. Yeah? It is attacked. And the, the, the pest or whatever comes to hit that tree affects it that then it starts to produce bad fruit. It is possible that you can start by producing good fruit, but then with exposure to evil, you start to produce the bad fruit. Giving room to the devil can let you start produce bad fruit. And good trees then become affected, become infected, by the forces of evil, by the forces of the world. And that which was good now turns to bad. And you start asking, what happened to this man? He used to be a good man. He used to be a loving man. He used to care about others. What happened? What? How did they fall short? Because they were attacked. And they gave room for the devil to come in. And sometimes there are even trees that we are being told about This in verse 19, that every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Those that once were good but then turned bad, they are thrown into the fire. Even those that were never good at all, they are thrown into the fire. But also there are others that never bear any fruit at all. We have a tree here at home which uh, had been, we planted it I think four years back. But we waited for it, we were patient with it, and it did not release any fruit. But when we bought it, we knew that we want fruit from it. So uh, recently, we decided to cut it and throw it out. Take it out, it's occupying space for nothing because it does not bear fruit for us. And that's what Jesus here. It's talking about that every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut off. Every tree that does not bear fruit, and when we're talking fruit, we're talking the good things, will be cut off. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus is clear about the prophets, about the teachers, even about you, they will know you by your fruit. That which you do, that's how you'll be known, by your fruit. And goes and says, not everyone who says to me, we've had this, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. He's always clear, telling us where his Father is. He's in heaven. So he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who does the command of my Father, who does which God, that which God, that which the word tells us to do. It is those who do that that will inherit kingdom. It's those who will enter 
that kingdom. Those who do the will, what is the will of the Father? It is good. It is kindness. It is righteousness. That's what he wills for us. The enemy will will the opposite for us. But those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom. And we say, Lord, we cry, Lord, day and night. But if we don't do the will of the Father, then we will not enter that kingdom. Because it's, it might be easy to say and speak because that's what we've gotten used to. But when you act, the actions, that which will follow, the, the words that you say is what matters. And that has to be in the will of the Father. What does God will for you to do to the needy? What does God will for you to do to those that hurt you? What does God will for you to do in your ministry, in whatever you do, in your workplace? Those are the ones that enter the kingdom. And he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? I love that part. Your name. And in your name, God, your name cast out demons. And in your name, your name perform many miracles. You did great things, but you did them in his name. And that's where the name of the Lord has to be honored because it's holy, it's righteous, it's powerful. The name of the Lord is so great that it can do all these things. The name of the Lord will cast out demons. The name of the Lord will perform miracles, will heal the cancer, will heal the sick, will heal the brokenhearted, will heal the mentally challenged. The name of the Lord, it is the name of the Lord. And he says, you will he come on that day and you say, in your name, I used to preach. In your name, I used to prophesy. In your name, I used to pray and touch the sick and they would be well. But this is the context here. In his name. It was the name of Jesus that all that was done. Now, it's very easy for you to be sent Assume that you've been sent by a higher authority that you go in my name and meet those people and give them this. I've given them probably this money to help them. Now, for, for me, who is the servant that all the one that has been sent, when I come with that which has been uh, given to those people, same money, for example, and I take it, I am going in the name of the one who sent me. So when I give them that money and I hand it over to them, it's not been given by me. It's been given by the one who sent me. So I'll give him the money and I'll say, this has come from the higher authority. It is absurd if I start to feel great that I am the one who has given it. Because it is not me. I have come in the name of the other person, the higher authority. And it is the higher authority that things have been done that provision has been met, that needs have been met for the people I've gone to see. And that's where the problem is that sometimes we are delivering the message that we've received from the high authority and then we take the glory. 
and then we feel that we own it yeah we feel that because you it is through you that it was done then you're the greatest and you forget the one who sent you you forget the one who sent you and god help us and god help us because jesus here is saying that which you're doing out there you're doing it in my name and apart from the sender apart from the one being sent taking things for granted and wanting to take the glory and getting pride because of that which they've done things like prophesying things like casting out demons like performing miracles and lot much more that the power of god helps you achieve jesus is out there saying if people have the need i'll meet it if people want healing they'll be healed you're the vessel that will, will work that I will use to do the healing. But then, if there's lawlessness in you, I do not know you. And that's the amazing thing here when we read the word of God. That some things are happening, and miracles are happening, and they're being performed, and men are being hailed above the God, above the name of Jesus. And everybody is speaking great about that man, yet they're just a vessel. And if that vessel practices lawlessness, it's unfortunate. But Jesus will say, I never knew you. Who is the one that knows God? And who is the one that God knows? It's the one that keeps the commands of God. It's the one that walks the righteous life. And that we will already say here, that if you honor God, then God knows you. If you don't honor God by doing his will, by keeping his commandments, then he does not know you. And it is the name of Jesus with great power. It is the name of Jesus with all things, with all power, with all authority that things are moved. And we take his name for granted. We take his name. We use his name. We use the name of Jesus in exclamations, in jokes. Yeah, we use it. I, I, I watch movies and, and you find the name of Jesus being used in profanity statements and you use the name of jesus in jokes use the holy spirit in jokes yeah and we do it sometimes unconsciously but that's how much we have watered down the name that when it is time for you that you need it even when you say it, there's nothing happening because it has become so usual it has become so uh easily taken out and god help us because sometimes we're in conversations like, oh, the Holy Spirit, or oh, is it the Holy Spirit telling, or oh, is it just, oh, Jesus Christ. And we are just mentioning the name. But that name has power. That name heals. The name is filled with miracles. That name casts out demons. If you use that name in the way that you've got to use it, then miracles will happen. If you use that name, if you let the name hold the weight that it carries, and may God help us change that, that if we've been doing it wrongly, may God have mercy upon us and give us grace to use that name. Because sometimes you are in need and you're out there using that name and you're saying it's, it's not happening. Why? Because we've taken it for granted. But that name is powerful. And by the time that these that Christ says, I did not know you, 
are using the name and getting results and miracles are happening and things are happening and changes and re- revivals are happening when they're using the name yet they do Jesus considered them that they did not know him how about you who knows him how about you who makes a decision to know him and walk with him and do his will what will happen when you use the name of Jesus great things wonders and may God help us use his name in the right way. But most of all, that after, when that day comes, he does not say, do not know you. Why? Because of lawlessness. You will perform miracles. But if there is lawlessness in you, Jesus will say, do not know you. You will cast out demons. doesn't matter how great a preacher you might become. Known all over the world. But if you practice lawlessness, on that day he will say, I did not know you because it was by grace that God put that upon you to go out and serve. It was by grace that he chose you and gave you that, that you can perform those miracles. It was by grace that you could perform whatever ministry you did by grace. He gave you to go out and meet the needs of the others. But on that day, he can say, I did not know you because you did not do my will. And God help us. God help us. It's also clear that he may mean that I never knew you because there are people who can use the name and get results, yet God does not know them. But that's how strong and powerful the name of the Lord is. We need to conclude. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell, and and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished his words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus here makes some comparisons as we close today. And he says, those who hear the words he speaks and act on them, that's the key word, act on them. Then they are compared to the wise man who built on the rock. I do construction and when when you're building or laying foundations, you make sure you find the firm ground. When you find the firm ground, that is where you will lay the foundation. And you even start by blinding it to make sure that it is firm. And he says, those that are on that foundation, which is Christ, they are safe. And those are the ones who are acting on the word of God. If you act on the word of God, then you're on that firm foundation, which is Christ. But if you don't act, then you're like the one who built on sand. Because sand will move. There's nothing firm to stand. When your house is on sand, it is never stable. And those are the ones who don't act on the word of God. Jesus preaches and he speaks as one with authority. Not like anybody else, but as one with authority. Jesus 
has authority. And his name has the authority. And we have that name. And may God help us to use his name for his kingdom. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for standing for us. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for the mercy. We thank you for the favor. We thank you, Lord of heaven, that you consider us even after we have wronged, even after we've done things that are not worthy, but your grace has been sufficient for us. And Lord, help us do your will that even on that day when it comes, you do not say that I did not know you. Because Father, we need you. We need your hand to touch us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com.